It'll be a three-man rush, eight in coverage, three in the end zone. Dalton heaves it down the right side toward the end zone. It is knocked up in the air. Oh, A.J. Green oh, makes the catch. Oh, 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 man. A deflected oh, ball winds oh, up in the hands God. of A.J. Green. The clock hits zero. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, 23-year-old Tony Pike waits for the snap. Has the football. Short drop. Lobs one down the sideline for Bins. He's got it. Touchdown. 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 And a high fly ball way back in center field. It is out right here. A grand slam home run for Joey Votto. And this one belongs to the Reds. Did your shirt on? And last I checked, I did. Yes, why? Now a steal by Gary Clark and a breakaway to the rim for a thunderous tomahawk jam. Get you one, big fella. Then a strike for Bertoni, and the magical moment belongs to Leonardo Bertoni. He opens the FC Cincinnati account with a goal in the 14th minute. Hit, double dip on the ice cream cone. Welcome back, Ed. Man, we gotta quit. We gotta quit doing this like two week, three week, four week hiatus. Thing. Well, you know. I mean, I know I'm. I know I'm a busy person now with Bearcat Journal and all that. But okay, all right, <laughs> all right. I didn't take very long to plug that down, did it? <laughs> uh, so we are coming at you. Uh, we got myself, Ed, here running things on the production end. We have Clay here doing his thing as per usual with us. And then we do have special guest Seth Augustiniak, who is part of the Reds ground crew. You may remember him. There is a, uh, a chalk slash tape outline of his body on the tarp next to the right field wall, probably still down at Great American Ballpark. Seth. You are a second-year grounds crew here for the Cincinnati Reds. What the hell was going on this year? It was crazy, right? It, it honestly was. It was pretty cool, though. It was pretty mem- mem- memorable. <laughs> I bet it was. I mean, like, you're, you guys are the only ones there who are literally get to watch a baseball game this year, like, in person, except for apparently now the NL whatever is going to let a couple thousand people in for the next playoff games. But yeah, you guys like the only ones who get to watch a live baseball game this year. Uh, and pretty much it's a, a private show for you. How was that? Uh, it was pretty cool. So there was the ground crew, and then there was the, uh, ballpark ops basically were the only other people that were there. And then, uh, Kestruki and all them are, they were all, all the higher ups were pretty much, they had their own suites and everything. So it was pretty big. They, they were watching us basically the whole game. We normally, for like last year compared to this year, since this year's was a lot different, <laughs> the whole situation, we're normally in the, uh, we have a little radar room kind of underneath the stands on the, in the Reds dugout. There's a camera bay. We normally get to sit there and watch the game, but due to the whole situation, we uh, had to move to the stands. I mean, that's not, so, a, that's not a bad situation to be in. No, not at all. It was pre- still pretty cool. So you have a claim to fame. You face planted. <laughs> On that was that nationally televised or was it just regionally? I I thought the game was just on Fox Sports Ohio, but I guess the camera per, camera lady she said that that was like I guess maybe nationally televised. Just right when that happened, I'm like, <laughs> oh great. Now, did you make Sports Center like not top ten? I don't know about not top ten, but I was on there. I was on Barstool, uh, starting nine. Sports centers, Instagram. I was pretty much everywhere that night. That's, I mean, you were kind of uh, popular before that because you you had always hustled out there to get the ball, right? I remember the broadcasters talking about you and everything like that. But then just like uh, just an unlucky slip, huh? Yeah. So I basically, since they weren't allowing ball boys, uh, we were asked if we one of us could do it or two of us, one on each side. And I I kind of volunteered for it the whole season. I'm like, it's fun. I don't really care <laughs> so and i they basically told us get to the ball get off the field fast and then get back to the play and they started towards the end of the season the camera started to focus on me when i was doing it 
and then Jim Day called me the hustler, and then the eventful happened. <laughs> so what has been, I mean, obviously there's been changes outside of just like being underneath in the radar room this season, but what's been like the biggest adjustment for the grounds crew this year outside of, you know, just moving where you're traditionally set up? Uh, there was, there's a, there was a lot of restrictions, like certain places we couldn't go. Um, like when the team buses would leave at night, we had to wait until all the buses were gone and all that. Um, there was, we had to pretty much stay out of the way of the players most of the time. So were you guys tested as well? Yes, we were. All the time? Like several yeah, times a week? Occasionally. Did you have to, uh talk to that guy that um trevor bauer had to talk to every every day the, no, no he was uh the covid checking guys they yeah, yeah, yeah. covid checking guy yeah yeah they, he was since they there was three different tiers for employees tier one was the players uh and then the, like some of the translators and staff the like, coaches and all that tier two was my boss and then some other higher-ups and then tier three was just the regular employees, which the regular ground screw. Nice. And I'm assuming since he had to interact with the players, he probably was a tier two. Nice. He got he got popular on YouTube too. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> so now, was did... there ever? Go ahead. I was I was going to say. Uh, I know I read a story where Joey Votto heard that you guys were annoying. An unnamed player. Um, I don't Probably know, A, Cubs. if you know who, who potentially that unnamed player might have been. I like to think it may have been a first baseman for the Cubs. Rizzo. Um, uh, Rizzo, he wasn't annoyed by us. He was he was happy that we were talking. No. Of course he was, because they're always chirping. However, <laughs> um, so do you know who that unnamed player may have been, or do you have a guess? We think it possibly might have been Kansas City's first baseman, O'Hearn, because the one time he ground out and we were yelling at him and everything, and he just yelled at us, and he just yelled at us. It was ridiculous, but it was like <laughs> the best moment ever, literally, because that means we got in his head. That's fantastic. <laughs> now, So I, I have a quick question. Um Without any fans, do the players in between innings, are they a little bit looser? Do they maybe say some things that they wouldn't say um, now that there aren't any fans? Or if you can maybe give us an example or a story of something that you've heard in between innings when the players are coming on or off the field. I mean, most of the time, it basically would basically, they basically talk the same way they normally would. It's just it's a lot quieter, so you'd be able to hear it more. But – like some of the players would be some of the Spanish guys or guys that speak Spanish. They would all talk in Spanish in their own little area in the dugout and all that. But then we really didn't get to hear a lot of the conversations per se, but. So did you ever wear the bucket on your head? Where did that actually <laughs> come about from? And does the person who was wearing the bucket still have a migraine? <laughs> um. I never got a chance to wear it. <laughs> I volunteered to, but so the guy that actually wore it, it, Alex, I don't know how to say his last name. But we call him AP. He's the guy that actually jersey swapped with Rizzo. And hmm. it was, I guess, the spur of the moment. He said, if they hit a home run here, he's going to put the bucket on his head and they just, and you guys start pounding on it. And it just, from there, it went, it went on from there. Nice. How did so the story that we heard on the news was that you guys were being loud and everything, and then you know Vado heard that somebody so that somebody was annoyed by it. So he just showed up one day with a like a box full of instruments for you guys to bang on. And I mean, I remember the, I think the first game you guys had it, I kept I thought somebody was banging on a fence like the whole time, and I kept <laughs> tweeting like, "Who is banging on a fence? This is ridiculous. Are the Astros in town?" But then I realized you guys had a bunch of a uh, bunch of instruments. How did that go about? So I think it was either the first or second game. I was on the first base side. Uh, all the other, everybody else in the grand screen was on the third base side. We, uh, I, th I know the first game, the it went viral when Moose hit the home run. Everybody did the antlers. But we were all being loud. And then Joey looked over to me and said, hey, I'm going to buy you guys some instruments. And then he, I guess that night he went and bought some online. And then 
I think by the second homestand they were there. But the instruments had to quarantine for a little bit, like two days. But other than that, <laughs> then we got those. Yeah. <laughs> we got those and we just started making noise. We didn't want an NBA bubble situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got a bunch of instruments for you guys, but they're in quarantine for a couple of days. Yeah. So some of the questions that I had been given, and I'll give them both to you because the one is kind of rhetorical. Um, but one of our, our uh, one of one of my friends asked uh, how it felt to be the second biggest face plant of the year to Tom <laughs> Brenneman. Oh, geez. Yeah. And uh, the, the other question was, uh, what was your actual first thought after you face planted? Uh, so my first thought, right, right when, because I normally go for the corner of the wall there, like when the wall straightens out when it, after it goes from the right field line and then it digs back in. I normally go right there because it's an easy access because the row's right there. So I just jump on the wall, jump straight down. But for some odd reason, I got in my head. I, when it, right when I went out, I look up and they had me on the the jumbotron. I'm like, oh no, this is not gonna be good. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I was going back, I was like, I should change it up a little bit, try to go for something a little bigger. And then I went, I went to the tarp because I'm like, more surface area makes sense. And then right when my leg hit the tarp, it slipped and gave out, and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> and then I got up, and I'm like. Whew, that could have been a lot worse. I got up, went back, and I was like, they probably got that on. That's going to be everywhere. My wife was real worried that you hit your face, but I, th- I was like, I think he saved his face. I don't think he hit it. Luckily, there was the door right where my face was going. So basically, only my hip hit the wall. Nice. Are they yeah. going to keep that chalk outline there forever now? I think they should. I, I would assume it's probably still there, but I haven't been back since I have I worked at Paul Brown during the day, so I don't really I haven't been back. I got a buddy uh who works in IT. I'm gonna I'll tell him to make sure it stays there. Well, I I doubt he has any pool, but I'll I'll try for you. I'll yeah. try. Yeah. Hey, this, but Ed's IT buddy actually runs the Cincinnati Reds and makes those kind of calls. Apparently, <laughs> he's, he's he's high up there. Yeah, yeah. He's he's the head hey Seth. Um, so I did a quick Twitter search of your name to try to find you on Twitter. There's only three total tweets with your name in it that I can find. One was introducing you as a grounds crew, and another one was saying that you qualified for districts in 2016 for wrestling. So congratulations on that, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that was that was my old high school days. <laughs> yeah. So, it's kind of weird because I actually my, – my name on my, on my Twitter is actually my nickname. So I kind of did my Twitter during high school, so I just did my nickname. That's my so, nickname too. <laughs> <laughs> So, do you have any uh, good stories of any interactions with the players from this season? Uh, our whole interaction with Rizzo was so funny. My, we would all be like, we'd all just talk to him. We would ask him questions. He would either go if he if he was more focused on the play, like if the pitch was about to happen, he he would point his fingers one or two. But like we asked him one time, is it called cornhole or bags? And he said cornhole. And then we were joking around. And he was like. We were like, your wife's cookies taste like mayonnaise. We were joking around with him and everything. Is that your sister <laughs> in the outfield? She's naked. What was you know? that? I was just quoting a line from the Sandlot. Uh, Porter is like, <laughs> is that your sister in the outfield? She's naked, you know. <laughs> That's what I – like. if I would have been on the grounds crew, which you guys never want me on the grounds crew. I can't even keep my grass green here in my house. Um, <laughs> but, like – I would I would make it my life's goal to be the first grounds crewman ejected from the game. Oh, we were towards the end of the season we were being so loud that the one series after some of like the check swings and stuff the Reds would have, we'd be like, Nope, we didn't go. We would just scream that and stuff and the Elms got pissed at us and be like, Hey, you guys can't do that anymore because it's affecting our call. Oh my god. That would have been great. <laughs> yeah. So we were told, Yeah, you guys can't do that anymore. <laughs> That would have made it up there with the uh, the um stopping the game because the owner was standing in the third row. I remember which team it was yeah. but the third level. Without no nationals. one around him with a without a mask on. Oh, there and then the guy in uh, Boston was it Boston? 
Or no, it was I know New the York. Nationals GM did that in his own little box. I don't remember where, but yeah, he wasn't wearing a mask and he was yelling and they kicked him out. I think it was Joe West that kicked him out. There's nobody Talker. within yeah. 50 feet of me. That's hilarious. <laughs> so, Seth, um, can you kind of walk us through what a day looks like on a normal game day for you all? Um, what time you get to the stadium? Let's say it's a 7 o'clock game. Uh, just kind of walk us through what it would look like. So let's say it's a seven o'clock game on Saturday. So it's just, sometimes it varies what time my boss says what time it comes in. Most of the time it's nine. Um, every once in a while we'll get to ten a.m. But if it's nine a.m., we come in, and this depends on if we have fans. If there's fans in the stands, we'll have to blow the warning track. But if there's not, like this year was kind of nice. We didn't have to blow the warning track from like all the trash and stuff in the stands. And then we'll go do we go to the bullpens, patch them up, get them ready for the day. Um, while we have like I think four people do three or four people doing them, one two either on bull, each bullpen. Then we would have someone working on home, uh, someone working on the mounds, and then my boss would normally drag the infield, get the actual dirt uh, all settled in, get it all ready, and then. We'd have another two people working on the baseline, scratching them out, getting them ready, put a little uh, conditioner on them. And then by the time all that's just about done, we water the infields. And then we'll normally we'll normally chalk it before lunch, so we'll chalk the dirt. We won't chalk the warning track. We'll wait till game time to do that. So we'll chalk the dirt, and then we normally go to lunch. After lunch, depends on what time they have BP, early work. Um, they were very notorious for a little bit of early work. That was <laughs> not fun sometimes. But they go to an early work. We take the cage out, put the cage on home, put the the mats on home, and then depends on how many guys they'll have out there. We'll put the side mat the side mats out, and then we'll probably. It's only gonna be like a couple people will put the small front mat out. And then once all that's done, they'll go to regular BP. We'll put the the uh, big front mat out, the pitching mound, the L screen, put the screens out at right field, left field, center, second, and we have a first and third base screen. They'll hit BP and then we'll tear it all down, take the cage back to the shop, take everything back to the shop. Then we'll basically kind of do what we did in the morning for baselines, home, get it all ready to go for the game, water before the game, and drag, chalk the warning track, and pretty much game time. How many how many guys you guys got out there doing that? Uh, I normally for a couple most of the games we had like twenty plus people. I think okay. there's like 30, 40 people on our staff, but only like twenty people just can make it a game sometimes. Gotcha. My boss would have had just five people doing that. <laughs> that was that was my days in Toledo. We only had like five people. Ah, uh, gotcha. It was sorry, not I, fun. I didn't mean that. So were you with? Oh, sorry, Ed. No, I was just saying I didn't really mean that. If my boss actually listens. <laughs> Seth, when you, I assume that you were with Toledo Muddins, is that right? Yes, I worked there. For who two was years. your? Who was your favorite Toledo Mudhead or like? So, so, Maybe a couple like the big names that you saw come through and play in Toledo. Uh, Jacoby Jones was there when I was there. Mikey Matuk was there. Uh, I went to say my favorite was Efren Navarro. He was my favorite. What about Christian Cologne? I don't. Wrong organization. Uh, oh my bad. Sorry. That's, well, now that's a big fan Cologne... of Clay's. That's a big fan of Clay's. Christian <laughs> Cologne would have played for the Bats, who played the Toledo Mudhens what eight, ten, twelve times a year. Sounds like that. That's the one. I think Candelaria was there a couple times when I was there. Uh, the Castro brothers were there. Now they're up in Detroit. Uh, Buck Farmer, he was in Toledo, and then he got called up. So, I mean, pretty much just about everybody in their Detroit lineup was in front yeah. of Toledo when I was there. Well, um, the only other question I have, um, just kind of off the top of my head, I guess, Um did you guys get to actually interact with the players? I know we saw like at the end of the season, um, you guys were actually recognized as the only team um, that was actually, or the only crew that was high-fived by the actual team uh, when it actually happened. So I don't know if that kind of was a trend that took off throughout MLB or not. Uh, but 
I, I did see that. So I don't know if you had any other real interaction with the players because of COVID this year or however else that all went. They they tried to keep the players away from most most of the time, but we had to obviously somewhat interact with them still a little bit. Um, but that whole I what I understood we, we were the only grounds crew in the whole league to basically be in the stands, and then towards the end of the season we were all had trash cans, all banging. So we were pretty much the only ones to do that, and the players totally feed up. They fed off our energy, and they even said that. And then the last game, I think it was top seven or top eight or something like that, they put on the Jumbotron to thank us. And then at the end of the game, we were all we were starting to go out to the field to do post game. And the players, we were clapping for them, then they clapped for us, and then all of a sudden they just came out and gave us all high fives and stuff to congratulate us. It's awesome. They probably got fined. It, it pretty much was. <laughs> It was pretty. It was a pretty cool moment. Well, hey, before we let you go, I think I just want to, uh, for all of Reds Nation, all the Reds fans, I think we just want to thank you and your team for being there for us, uh, giving the other teams yeah. hell like we would have given them, um, <laughs> and kind of making it. I think you guys kind of made it a little bit more, uh, a little more fun uh, during the games. I think every time they panned over to you guys, I was like, okay, what are they doing this time? So. <laughs> I mean, on behalf of all of Reds Nation, uh, we appreciate you guys for doing that. Yeah, I mean the crowd noise, it definitely wasn't enough. It like when the when the Reds weren't doing good, they would tone down the volume so you would barely hear it. But then once they start doing good, they would bring it back up. But you just still you would hear us the whole time consistently, no matter what. So that was we were we were trying to make up for no fans there. <laughs> yeah. I think I did a pretty good job. Yeah, I think we did too. Well, Seth, thank you for your time tonight. We do appreciate it. And thank you for the season since none of us could be there. You held the you <laughs> held down the fort, my friend. For sure. <laughs> well, it was my it was my honor to do that. You can check out Seth at Patonsky, uh P-A-T-O-N-S-K-I-9-8 on Twitter. Seth, thank you for your time. We appreciate it, sir. Thank you. So that was a great interview with a member of the grounds crew. But today there was playoff baseball. And since we do have Clay here with us, I figure we should probably talk about what it was that actually got us here. We went on an unprecedented run the end of the season, the one that I have not seen the Reds do in a very long time. We won, what, 9 of 11, I believe it was, to finish out the season? Something like Is that, that correct? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so it was, it, nobody thought that we could do that though. Like we had seen so many, so, so much bad reds this season to go nine of 11. A again, nobody thought we could do it. All of a sudden we're in the mix. St. Louis didn't finish their season in my eyes. Uh, so we will never know if we could have actually surpassed them to in the in the wild card standings to actually get that next spot up but what did you see at the end of the season clay that you felt good about going into the playoffs well there's definitely like this turning point um you know i think myself included everyone kind of saw you know the same team all year long it was kind of dull kind of boring wasn't really getting hot a lot of swing and misses and they seemed to have got hot at the right time and um, won a couple big series and were chugging along and swept the Pirates in four games, then won two of three from the White Sox. I mean, the team looked like it was coming around and maybe possibly starting to become something special. Um, snuck into the playoffs, hit the over on the win total for the year. So they were starting to look good. And, you know, you had a couple players playing right. And then today they had the first playoff game. And, you know, at 10 a.m. this morning, the playoff roster was released. And for whatever reason, I looked at it and I was like, okay, let's see here. You know, and I see, oh, my God, there's Matt Davidson. And for some reason, it just took me back to near the beginning of the season when you had Matt Davidson batting, you know, third in the lineup. I was like, no, like, I don't know why. It just brought back these memories and – Jankowski and 
I was like, oh, gosh, man, these Reds have come so far since that point in such a short season. Um, so it really kind of was funny how much of, like, an emotional swing uh, this season has been for the Reds. To kind of build on that, I mean, my questions as well were, what the hell, Matt Davidson? What the hell, Travis Jankowski? What the hell, where's Disco? Right, so – um, a lot of people ask about Tyler Stevenson. He's not eligible because of the 10-day rule after being optioned to Trasco. It sounds weird not saying you know, Louisville. Um, now, Disco being left off with, uh, you know, I, I tweeted about how just weird it is. He was so good at the end of last year and started off on his first couple starts this year, and he's just fallen off. Um, and I think it's probably – I mean, when you look at the roster of pitchers, I don't know who I'm leaving off necessarily. I mean, you could say, you know, the Wade Miley brings like a lefty bullpen slash emergency long arm type guy or whatever, but I'm okay okay with leaving Disco off. Um, there wasn't anything that surprised me too, too much. Matt Davidson was kind of surprising. <laughs> Not that like it really matters, but. We I was kind of like, I just thought that guy was done um, in a Reds uniform, but it's kind of funny. Jankowski, I get why they bring him on, um, plus defender, plus speed. We all know how David Bell likes to do all of his substitutions, and we saw that today in the game as well when Jankowski came in for Winker after, I think, if I remember right, Winker was hit on the shoulder or arm or something with the ball. Looked like an elbow or a hand. Yeah. I'm not really yeah. sure. Yeah, either way, Winker – Gets hit by pitch. In comes Jankowski. Adding speed to the base paths. I get it. What happens? No runs generated. And, of course, as it's happened before this year, we've seen with the Christian Colognes of sorts, it comes up to a situation where Jankowski has to bat, where Winker could have batted. They pinch it with Garcia. He breaks his bat, ground out. Uh, Were the bases loaded or was it first and third in that situation? He was first and third. First and third. Either way, it was another opportunity which the bat was not in Winker's hands when it could have been. I'm not saying that it's necessarily the wrong move. It's a strategy. It's You can agree with it. You can disagree with it. It's not just some blind substitution. You know, I understand wanting more speed. Um, but man, it's those situations that just bite you that you just are so hard, hard, you know, and when you talk about a long game, there's a lot of substitutions. I get it, but man, that's one that you definitely want to have back. So the optimistic Reds fan in me has some takeaways. A, we hit the ball on a, a relatively unhittable pitcher. Right. Um, he, he's been really good. I mean, let's um, just be honest. The pitching in that whole game was really good, and we were still, I mean, we were still getting hits. So that's, I mean, that's well, an upside. And we all, it's eleven hits for the Reds, six hits for the Braves, and we also expended a lot of their pitching. So if this series does go three games, they used, I think, seven relief pitchers, eight relief pitchers, something outrageous like that. Um, seven. Okay. Seven. So uh, there were some takeaways there. Um, we also went deep on a lot of those pitchers in the count. So again, just kind of exhausting some of the pitching on top of that. Um, I don't know. I mean, this is an Atlanta team that scores runs in bunches and they really didn't do much on us. Yeah. Um, when I first turned on the game, I thought it would be low scoring. I didn't think it would be like this though. Um, Atlanta has a ton of offense, but just a, a true pitcher's duel today. And Atlanta, I mean, this if you ask me, like, this is the game that you had to take from them. If you tell me Atlanta only scores one run, you need to win that game because they have a lot of bats. I mean, Ozuna 0 for 5 with three strikeouts. Freeman one hit, Acuna Jr. one hit, always one hit, nothing from Duvall. I mean, they're really – you know, I expected – the Red, I, in my mind, before the game, I said the Reds have to score four or five runs to potentially win, even with Bauer on the mound, um, because I think that highly of this Atlanta offense. So in a game which they only score one run, it's just so, so frustrating to watch the game 
and you see Barnhart swinging out of the zone. You see Farmer chasing a terrible pitch. It's just one of those games that you just really, really wish you could have back. It's one of those games after all the momentum they've built up uh, after the past couple of weeks. You look at this and it's just kind of like, man, like what? where do you go from here? Is tomorrow going to be more of the same? Is it going to be completely different? I mean, I'm just glad it's a noon game, so I don't have to be in my own head all day about it. Well, there's a lot of questions I have. I have, there's a lot of questions I have on the game. A, why was Kyle Farmer starting? Uh, B, what happened in that base running gaffe with Kyle Farmer and Aristides Aquino? Because that was a hot mess. That was a call by, um, by uh, David Bell, he said. Was it after, a hit? Was it supposed to be a hit and run though? Was it supposed to be trying to uh, a trick play where he's running to second and then? Because if that's what we're doing in playoffs, that's a that's not the people you want out there. Well, honestly, doing it was, that it was probably a hit and run call. I don't think it was a trick play because if you watch um, uh, Aquino, is it no? Yes, yeah, I, I can't yeah. pronounce his name. But if you watch him, he like walked back to third base after they with got his him head the, down with his head down. So there was no way that was a trick play. But I, I mean, there was a there was a point where that could have came out pretty good for us, but it, it definitely did not. I think it was just. I guess. I guess my biggest question though is why weren't we running out a similar lineup to what won nine of eleven games instead of switching it up with Kyle Farmer, switching it up with Aquino? What were we? What was? What's the mindset? So. When I first saw this, first thing I thought of, and it's not that I even agree with this, um, personally, I think it's smart to do lefty-righty matchup splits. Sure, to an extent. I don't. I think David Bell is a little bit too sold on it. Farmer's hitting 425 at-bats um, against lefties this year. So I understand where he would want to start Farmer against a lefty, although it's not. I'm not necessarily saying that I would. Um, I mean, don't get me but, wrong, because Galvis proceeded to look at three straight strikes with the only opportunity he was given, and that wasn't any better than Kyle Farmer. Yeah, but I, I, I'm totally w- with you, especially because Galvis has been looking pretty good, if you ask me recently. Um, it's one of those deals that we talked about this before the season. We talked about this last offseason. I feel like as a Cincinnati Reds fan, you've been talking about this every year since Barry Larkin, the shortstop situation, everyone's saying, wait up, Lindor, Lindor, this, that, the other, Didi, go get somebody, go get somebody. Oh, wait, we're sticking with Galvis. Okay, here's this kid that blew up in spring training. He must be the answer. You cannot rely on a 22-year-old, never hit above high A rookie to come in and save your season. That's foolish. So the Reds, we're going to live and die by – uh, Freddie Galvis, and the only other option really is Kyle Farmer. I mean, this is something that, as much as they did this offseason, this is one of those things that you look back and you say, you know, everyone was asking about what are you doing about shortstop, and they really did address it, and that's 100% on them, if you ask me. Um, yeah, because it's frustrating seeing that, you know, shortstop position kind of neglected. Is this the last game that we've seen Trevor Bauer? Oh God! Um, wow, coming in with a tough question right there. Well, um, he has a good point. I mean, if we if we literally do not win this series, and he puts out the performance that he put out today, what makes him want to stick around here? Yeah. So to me, it's regardless. Um, based off what we saw today. I don't know if this is a series the Reds will win. Um, I personally don't see them winning two in a row against the Braves. Um, Is it his last start with the Reds? If I was a betting man, I'd have to say yes. You have to go off the Reds' past. When have the Reds, you know, really shelled out the money? It's going to be a humongous contract. For Trevor Bauer, he's at that 29 year old age where, you know, you're in your prime and it's not one of these like 25 year old guys who may take a three year deal cash. And, you know, it's not that at all. This is his deal. I know he says he takes one year deals, maybe either way. He's going to max out his pr- probably earning potential in this offseason. 
when in the past have the Reds ever shown that they're willing to spend? Maybe you can say, you know, Joey Votto. Okay, one example. Other than that, they don't really go out and sign big free agents. The ones that they do are Moustakis, who is making $16 million a year. Okay, Bauer's probably going to make, you know, what, 50, maybe double that? At least 10000 or at least well, $10 million more than that. I mean, you're talking a different, you know, level of free agency there. One of the questions I saw on Twitter put out by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com, where you can also catch my articles and podcasts, by the way. Um, what a shameless plug. That's fine. Um, but he put out uh, Trevor Bauer, two years, $75 million. Who says no? And I responded, Bob Castellini says no. What do you mean? <laughs> like, yeah. even if you have a player option as a second year, that's fine. Bob Castellini says no. He's not signing anybody for two years, $75 million. Not now. I hate to be this guy, um, but at the end of the day, Trevor Bauer has had an incredible year and he's going to win the Cy Young. I will never argue about this year. Let's not forget what he looked like last year. And if you even look at his career years, I mean, he's a really, really good pitcher. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like he's the most consistent pitcher in the world. It's not like you're paying for someone who's going to go out there every single year and just, you know, have performances game after game like he has this year. Um, I think it's people kind of forget that, you know, he's not that far removed from not being a top level pitcher, but I, I mean, I'm not taking anything away from him. I just want people to realize, you know, all because of this year, don't put on those goggles of super fan. Oh my gosh. The Reds didn't sign to the Garrett Cole deal type thing or whatever. Um, he's going to earn every penny. He's probably going to be one of the highest paid pitchers, but it's not like he has this track record coming out. That is the most consistent pitcher in the league or anything. I mean, how many people were upset about him last year? Do you not remember? He came to Cincinnati and put up, um, you know, 56 innings um, for people who are about ERA and like that set 6.39. Some people were saying this is a bad deal. This is, you know, he has to figure it out. He has to figure it out. Um, but how much had he sent in already? Like when the Reds weren't in contention, like you just, you send it in, you go out and you do what you have to do to get through the game and go to the next game because you're not playing for anything at that point. Right. Um, if I'm the Reds, I'm obviously offering him a contract. Um, I just don't see how someone like, you know, a large market team. This is an entirely different discussion, but it's a part of the reason why I like salary cap and other sports. Um, because it, you know, in baseball, you get super teams. I mean, there was a time, I know I've said this before. I remember I was watching a Dodgers game a few, few years ago and their dead cap money, the money they're pl paying players to not be on their team was higher than the entire payroll for the Reds. How do you make a competitive sport like that? So, I mean, I'm kind of, kind of getting off on a rant there, but <laughs> You're fine, uh, I can see where a, a big market team comes in and says, all right, Trevor Bauer, we'll, we are that piece away. Um, one team that is in position, I'm not saying this is a prediction or anything, but if I'm the Angels, why am I not doing that? I mean, I know they kind of suck right now, but um, – You've got to show something for your fans and Mike. Poor Mike Trout, man. Hey, I'll trade right now. Christian Cologne straight up for Mike Trout. Nobody takes that deal. Offers good it. to the end of the night. I'll take it. But, I, yeah, I mean, some teams are just maybe that player away. Maybe they're willing to give him more money than the Reds will be. Um, I think he likes it in Cincinnati. I don't think he has any locker room issues or any issues with the city. So, It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I think that there's, you know, plenty of other players that need to get paid and positions that you can upgrade as well. Um, I think it's so. A, it'll be interesting to see. I think it's a good point that you just brought up here. Like, I don't think he has any gripes with Cincinnati. As a matter of fact, I think 
he, I don't know this for a fact, but I would imagine he respects ownership and management for allowing him to do what he does and not giving him, at least, at least that we have heard, a hard time. I mean, he does his his vlog, he he tweets, he does all that, and I haven't heard one time you know, like management saying, you know, you got to knock it off because you're you know ticking off the commissioner. So I mean, I guess we have that going for us. Yeah, and I don't know. Have you guys been watching COVID season? I haven't. I found no. it really awkward that episode 23 dropped in the middle of the second inning today. Where do people find the time to... I, every time I talk to someone, they're saying they're watching a Trevor Bauer video. How many do, does he have out? 23. 23 of them? Yeah. How long are they? An hour? 10 minutes. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, they're not bad. All on YouTube, all. right? Yeah, they're all on YouTube on this Momentum channel. But, I mean, they're pretty good. I mean, also, I mean, just because it's Trevor Bauer, but also it's because... I mean, you are getting an insight and like a you know backstage look at what this COVID season looked like, um, you know, just the different rules and how they literally are sitting at different tables from each other and all this kind of stuff. So that's pretty cool. Although it it also shows that like when they're supposed to, like so when uh Stins, well we guess it was Sinzel had COVID, um, he. Him and him and uh, uh, Sonny Gray were meeting up at uh, Xavier uh, High School and throwing BP and swimming at Sonny Gray's house. And all the times they're supposed to be social distancing, they, they definitely weren't. But oh, Sonny Gray, you and your fourteen-year-old man beard. <laughs> Real quick, while we got a break in between subjects. Um, I want to make sure that everybody knows they can go to ptpcincy.wordpress.com and click on the shop. Today in tomorrow, there is a 15% off. I didn't do that. It, see, there you go. I didn't do that. The company did that. Um, but we have our, our Clay Snowden shirt in here. You know, the ketchup, mustard, relish, onion, kraut, jalapenos, banana peppers, hot sauce, and cheese. It, I'm buying a, it right now. There's a good through too. October first, right? What's that? The discounts good through October first. Yeah, like two days. Yeah, something like that. It says. Um, wasn't there also a dugout mugs promo? Not yet. All right, coming soon. Just, just kidding. Uh, I'm currently buying the. Um, if I can find it on here, yes, here it is. The store. I'm gonna buy the hot dog. By the way, how did that hot dog look I had the other night? <laughs> were those deep fried jalapenos you had on top of it? No, they were just pickled jalapenos and okay. banana peppers and mustard and whatever I had in the fridge. Pickles. It looked good to me. I mean, I'm not a big jalapeno fan though. So. Oh come on! I don't like spicy things. He's the worst. It makes me poop. I don't want you to do. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. I want to be in so, the how, room, I guess. Clay, uh, moving off of that subject, Jesus. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> how do you expect the lineup to look different tomorrow in what could be the last game of our season? Um. So tomorrow's lineup, it's going to be hard to predict. I mean, I feel like sometimes these lineups can be kind of out there, but um, what uh, – before I dive too far into that, I just want a quick question. What did you all think of Sinzel in the leadoff? You know, he had a game today. It wasn't I'll be bad. the first to say, I was worried when he had the shoulder nick, um, you know, when he dove back into first base. I thought he was going to be injured again because that's who Senzel is, mm-hmm. unfortunately. But um, he played through it. That's the first time I think we've seen him play through an injury. Um, and I'm all for that. He, I was actually upset when they substituted him out for Shogo, considering he had he was two for four, he was the only him and Cassianos at that point were the only ones who had two hits, much less a hit. Um, and then, you know, to bring in at that point, I think they brought in Shogo uh, when they when they subbed out for him, and then they didn't really give Shogo a very long leash either before they made the move to uh, bring. I know they brought Goodwin in at center field, but they pinch hit. Um, who did they pinch hit for him? I can't remember. Wait, before they put Goodwin in, they they pinch it for Galvis, which yeah, 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 it, yeah, it was Galvis for Shogo. He just left the bat on his shoulders. Man, just I don't even want to talk about that anymore. But what do you think we see 
uh, like I said, I mean, I was good with Senzel having leadoff. He hit the ball. He was two for 33 before today. I remember seeing that stat. And today he was two for four. So he already has as many hits in four at-bats in one game than he had for the last 33. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so tomorrow's lineup, um, Ian Anderson's a right-handed pitcher for the Braves. Um, you may see Shogo slot in there instead of Aquino. Um other than that, I mean, what what are you all changing? What are you doing about shortstop? You know, you got to ask yourself that. I mean, Farmer's going to be out. Put Galvis back in. That's the most likely move. Um, Castillo's pitching. Um, do you see Barnhart catching? Maybe Barnhart came in and you know got his chance to go over three with two strikeouts <laughs> today. Good job, Tucker. Hey, at least didn't struck out strike out four times like uh, Adam Duvall. Right, that's true. I just don't know what the answer is right now with Winker. I mean, he had a hit today, but he has been so 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 cold, and it's just one of those deals that you can't take him out of the lineup necessarily. Or could you? If you uh, do, I think you put in Aquino because Aquino got on base today. Yeah, if there was a chance to sit. Winker, you would have done it today, right? Against a lefty, even though he's been doing okay against lefties. But, like, just in theory, with David Bell and his so much righty lefty matchup, but then Aquino would have, but then, you know, he was DHing today. You could have played anybody. Oh, wait up. If they didn't send down Stevenson, then you could have played DH, but no. Um, Vado, I mean, he's going to be in there. It's pretty much going to be the same lineup, I think. Except for Galvis Farmer. Right. Casali Barnhart. Right. But in terms of like the order, I think it'll be pretty similar. I'm looking at it right now. I can't really think, you think of you think Shogo starts? Um I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that they like to use Shogo coming off the bench too. I mean the, the, the fact of the matter is the way that David Bell is managing, it doesn't really matter if you start or not. You're going to come off the bench. I mean, three hits off – three at-bats off the bench. I mean, you're going to play off the bench, it looks like. Um, I just hope that tomorrow's lineup – man, it's so hard to say because, like, I don't think that, like, the lineup was the issue today, really. Um, okay. I really don't. I don't. I don't have an issue with Farmers starting – I don't have an issue with the order that they're batting. I don't have an issue with anything. I have an issue with base running. I have an issue with some of Votto's play at second base. I have an issue with bad contact. Um, I think so I, I think that's largely in part due to the Kyle Farmer start. He was the one on base when you had the base running blunder. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he it, was. It, he was zero for five. Like hit the ball. Yeah. Hit the ball. And, not the not the Galvis did anything in that one at bat, but I don't know if you give right. him five at bats that it goes the same. Yeah. That and I don't think I'm looking at Galvis's splits too. I'm like, and Farmers, you know, obviously looked awful today. And I mean, Galvis is batting 220 in his past 30 days, 280 in his past 15 days, 333 in his past seven days. Like home runs in each of that, like. I just feel like that you give Kyle Farmer that start in the regular season when you're like, oh, you've been playing well lately. Not yeah. what have you done for me over the culmination of the season. Mm-hmm. Right. Don't get yeah, me wrong. I mean, like, like, Gavis like is, is not pretty, the best. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's pretty like awful that we have to sit here and discuss like which shitty shortstop is less shitty. Like, <laughs> it's just like the fact of the matter. This all goes back to the original point. Like, Shortstop wasn't addressed, or if it was addressed, it was addressed in a per- not inappropriate. But I mean, Galvis as the starting shortstop for a playoff team—that's just not typically a winning formula. <laughs> I don't know. I, all I know tomorrow, you got Castillo going on the hill, and if it comes to it, you got Sonny Gray. If it comes to it, I don't know that Trevor Bauer isn't available out of the bullpen in two days. Trevor, if you ask Trevor Bauer, Bauer, he'll probably pitch tomorrow. He probably would. <laughs> he said he was exhausted after the game, but I just saw something on Facebook that I think you guys are going to enjoy. Uh, a friend of mine who collects 
baseballs like me. Um, just got a ball back. It's signed by Adam Dunn. And on one side of the ball, it says, do you have your shirt on? And on the other side, it's signed by Marty Brenneman. And it says, last time I checked, I did. I hate you. That's a- hey, guys, I want to I, I update you. It's been ordered. Oh, the okay, shirt's good. Kind of All right. So is that that's a nice shirt though, right? I mean, I got the hat, so the hat is great. The shirt I'm wearing, yeah, it's a great shirt. There you go. See, quality. I know I asked you if this was Trevor Bauer's last start, but would you have pulled Trevor Bauer at what 103 pitches? Um, I'm so bad at the when to pull people thing because it's the easiest thing to critique. Because if it goes well. And like Iggy, you know, he came in and pitched well. Like, then you don't say much, but people love to talk whenever it goes poorly. In the situation that they were in, he, he was at how many pitches again? 103. 103 when he came out. I mean, he only gave up two hits. But I think that's one of those situations where it has more to do with not how great his power pitching is. You know, this will be their, what, third or fourth time around seeing him against a really good offensive team. Why not? And it shows trust. Iggy's been pitching well. They went Iggy, Sims, Lorenzen. Okay, that was 4.1 innings, if I'm looking at that right, one hit. Yeah. I mean, they've been they all those guys have been pitching well. Why not turn it over to them um, and don't allow some of those you know, top hitters on the Braves to see another go around of Bauer, give them something different. I'm okay with it. I'm I'm never one to be too, too critical about a move like that unless it's, you know, taking the starter out in the fifth inning, you know, and he's pitching well or something like that. But it's always funny when you get to that eighth inning, seven, seven to eight innings, leaving someone in, taking them out, and it's always just one pitch away from a bad decision. Um and I like, like I said, I have complete faith in Iglesias. Which saying that, or I, I have complete faith in Lorenzen and Iglesias here on September thirtieth, June thirtieth. My gosh, totally different story. But yeah, I'm okay with it. Um, let the bullpen come in and do their job. I mean, you you have to have faith in them. You have to trust them. And um, yeah, so I, I like the way that everyone pitched today. Bradley coming in. You know, that was kind of a tough spot. It was one of those deals, like, I just felt the whole game, once it got to about the seventh inning or eighth inning, I was like, man, the Reds can't win this. There's just no way. I just didn't feel like – like, they had their opportunity slip, had it slip, had it slip, had it slip. I was like, this is just not meant to be for this game. And then, you know, somebody had to score at some point in time. And the way that their relievers were coming in and – um, that lefty who I've never heard of who pitched for Colorado a few years back came in and he allowed what it was a two hits and struck out four, but it was just one of those when I saw the defense or the um, excuse me, the base running errors, I was just like, you know, that's not what true winning teams do. They don't make simple base running errors. They're right. laser focused and I'm not really sure what the hell Joey Botta was doing on that hit by Suarez, I think it was that um, Votto like went back to second base and didn't get to have a chance to score. I mean, it's stuff like that when you're like, man, this team just it wasn't meant to be for them today. So, as we go around the horn and we make predictions for tomorrow, I'm gonna start with you, Ed, because Clay actually gives good insight when he gives predictions. But, <laughs> uh, how do you feel we do tomorrow? I think tomorrow is a better game. Um, I'm gonna say we come out on top five to two, and Winker gets back. No, before, I'm, a, before, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm calling a Winker and a Votto home run. Well, before Clay gives his insight, I will say, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say five four because I don't think we're gonna hold them that low again. I, I do not see us holding them to one run. Um, and I think I think I'm being generous because I, I it's my, it's the homer in me actually talking. I'm terrified we're going to lose this game, and I'm terrified we're going to be out. But I do think Castillo has been pitching very well as of late, and so I'm putting he's got to go at least six one, if not 
if not seven for us to actually win this one. And with that all said, five, four, we, we eke one out and it's going to be, it's not going to be pretty again. Yeah. Um, Ian Anderson starting is, what is he? I think yeah, 22 year old starting the postseason here against Castillo is four known his last four starts, 1.26 ERA, just deal. And um, I think Castillo is going to be the big, big, big ticket here. Now the issue is if we don't have four runs by the sixth or seventh inning, like you were saying, Aaron, we, we're not going to win. Um, I think you can get, if they get to Anderson early, young guy, kind of, you know, get him rattled in a postseason appearance like this. It's a lot of pressure. If they can get to him early, that's going to be the key. Um, and I thought that's what was going to happen today. They were jumping on pitches aggressive early, and I liked that. But, yeah, Castillo, I mean, once we get to our bullpen, you know, you've got to ask yourself who's available, who would they pitch. Um, and, man, you know, we used a lot of big arms today. And I'm not saying that they won't pitch tomorrow. It's just, you know, today was the fr- the freshest that they'll be for the rest of the season. Yeah. Well, right? you, can, you can say the same thing for Atlanta, though. Right. They used everyone. Yeah. They, they, they yeah. literally used everyone. Right. Um, so, it, it, I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see what the lineup looks like um, to see if Bell's making any big changes. But my prediction – I hate to say it, but I, I, I think since he's going to lose this one, I do. I think it's going to be something in that. Cut him off, Ed. Cut him off. Three, all right, bye, Clay. See you later, bud. <laughs> I'll say I'll say two to five. You're the worst. Two to five. The exact opposite of what I said. <laughs> oh, is it? I didn't even realize. Yeah. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I, I mean, hope I'm wrong. Maybe I'm doing some like reverse psychology, jinxing, whatever thing right now because you all both said win. You know, someone's got to. I say. don't know. Just whatever you wore today, everyone, whoever's I, listening to this, whoever's here on the podcast, anyone out there in the universe, first off, manifest it, and second, whatever you wore today, just none of that shit tomorrow. I just I have a realized really, what I really, wore today. really bad confession that I'm ready to. I'm ready to make this confession. I haven't told anybody this yet. But my Shogo Akiyama jersey, which is incredibly awesome and also bought for $13 from China, I am <laughs> I wore it today, and Sounds I am now 0-4 in the Shogo Akiyama jersey. It's your o fault. I may just burn it. I just realized I'm wearing the 2013 playoff hat, team issued. So that's not good. Okay. That's bad you guys juju. are all the worst. That's bad juju. I won't wear this hat tomorrow. The Shogo Akiyama jersey's out. The Amir Garrett jersey is in tomorrow. After he had a, you know, he he gave up the hit today. Don't care. Sticking with my guy. Amir Garrett jersey on tomorrow (laughs) for the loss. (laughs) Tomorrow is the we're a fucking nightmare. Everybody knows it. I can't wait t-shirt. I don't care what anybody says on my team meetings at work. We're not what we're not going to talk about A-Rod, are we? He was horrible. I like him on Shark Tank. I don't like him announcing games. He's an idiot. That's about all I have to say. He's a beautiful man next to a beautiful woman. Somebody tweeted. That's all I have to say. Somebody tweeted, a man who has more hits than most people in the Major League Baseball sure does love to talk about bunting. All day. All day, every day. You know what? I, I mean, I think he said a lot of stupid stuff. I was getting tired of every single situation he had to bring back to his own playing career like we know you played and it's cool when former players tell stories at the right time you don't have to tell me a story for every single oh man he just struck out on strike three when i was in seattle (laughs) it felt like he didn't do his homework it literally felt like he didn't do his homework i was so pissed off about aquino i don't even want to get into it but about how he was tall and that was it. Oh, uh, he's uh it, it was like holy shit, Akina, I didn't have this guy on my notes. Someone prepped me. <laughs> oh, he looks tall, he's really powerful. He has a great body. Let me read what's on his baseball reference page. Oh, he was well, signed by, as a sixteen year old. Like what? by the end of the game, the only thing that A Rod could say about him was he was wearing Eric Davis's old number. <laughs> I heard that too. So he said that twice, okay? 
Because he had nothing. Which I think he has a list of 10 Fact. things that he, he yeah. came up with. And when it was like in the 12th <laughs> inning, he's like, shit, I'm just going to start at the top of the list again, <laughs> roll back through, and hopefully there's new listeners by now. Did he say, did he say it was tall again? Well, I think Aquino was, you know, taken out by then or whatever. Or, yeah, they or not, not taken out, but wasn't batting. But I'm sure if he was... The tall comment would come back. Unreal. He when he walked out of the house that this morning, he said, "Hey, hey, Jenny, I got, I got, you know, Jenny from the block. I got, I got ten things written down. It's gonna be a great day. Ten, about ten, maybe. No, J Lo, you're still a fly girl. Fly girl." What? This is Lady Gaga. I typed in JLo. You you fail. This, this is, is so what? embarrassing. He's this the is worst. the second time you failed. First it was Coney's, and now it's Lady hey, Gaga. Hey, 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 hey! I, did worst. that really fail though? When I, I mean, he yeah, still came you did. on. One hundred percent. He still came hey, on. The interview with the mayor was incredible. By the way, guys, great job. Appreciate that, sir. Thank you. Cool. Well, I awesome. think we're done here unless anybody has any last words. Mm. Is, it too late to call, is it too late to call up Nick Williams, the outfielder that we acquired from waivers from Philly, considering that the only players who played well today were named Nick? Clay thinks we're done tomorrow. On that note, um, I think Clay's done today. So for Ed, for Clay Snowden, I'm Aaron Smith. This is Pardon the Punctuation. We're out. Peace.